recording out of the correct microphone. This is good. <laughs> I've had a recent change in technology usage, so this is it's good that this is working. Yeah. Hi everyone, I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. I'm Grandpa. And welcome to the 1979 Academy Awards. I believe that's the one we're on. It is. Uh, it is. Excellent. I'm remembering things. That's fantastic. Uh, this is If I Ran the Oscars, where we take a look at one film that won an award every year the Oscars were on TV. We look at what it won for, and then three other categories chosen at random. And and they seem to be, you know, uh, somewhat politically charged uh, Oscar bait movies lately. That's what it has been lately. (laughs) This appears to have been the year that uh, Hollywood decided that it was around time to make movies about the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Because we watched the film Coming Home... And this was not the only nor best uh, awarded film about Vietnam this year. Because this also saw best picture go to The Deer Hunter. I was going to say, that's... Yeah, with, that was a Robert three hour, A three-hour film. That one was much longer. It's mm-hmm. a good thing that we didn't watch that one because it would be past our bedtime. That's true. <laughs> uh, Oscar facts for the year before we get into the film because I do like the Oscar facts. I... Uh, this is the last public appearance of John Wayne, who received a standing ovation before presenting Best Picture. He would die on June 11th, oh. 1979. Uh, this is also the final public appearance for Jack Haley. Those of you who don't recognize him immediately, he presented Best Costume Design along with his co-star from a very small film you may have heard of called Wizard of Oz. He's the Tin Man. <laughs> Oh, yes. And he presented with Ray Bolger, who was... Bolger. Bolger. Ray Bolger was the scarecrow. Yep. He died uh, later that year as well. June 6th. Yeah. Mm. So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, Trivia facts. If we're looking for this, I believe there's something to do with this film, actually. Where is it? I saw it. Stall for time, everyone. Come Come up with cool facts, darn it. Well, who won the honorary award? One of the honorary awards was Laurence Olivier. Mm-hmm. He's what been around do? for a while. What did he do? He uh, his honorary award is that a lifetime achievement? I think it was lifetime achievement. Okay. Um, I'm not. He's scrolling. Also. We're really bad at stalling for time. We are bad, bad uh, at scrolling for time. But we also uh, avoided. Superman because it got one award and it was a that was a special was award, a special not award. a merit award. Yeah, uh, Warren Beatty mm-hmm. is the first person to earn acting, directing, producing, and screenwriting nominations for the same film. Mm-hmm. I don't think this will be the last time he's gotten that kind of nomination. Orson Welles was nominated for writing, directing, and starring in Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. However. The studios, the studio was listed as producing it, not him. Okay. Despite him actually doing the producing. So he would have been the first. John Voight and Jane Fonda in this movie won Best Actor and Best Actress, making them the fourth film to get both leading acting awards. Okay. So that's kind of rare. And I teased uh, my fellow cast here that Maggie Smith's Best Supporting Actress Award for California Suite is the first and only time something has happened. She's the only person to win an Oscar for playing the role of someone who did not win an Oscar. 
Oh, how about that? Her role in the film California Suite is as a British actress who is nominated for an Academy Award but does not win. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, so we have to tell, you know, our faithful listeners that California Suite was the first date that Patrick ever took me on. And we didn't, in 1979, it was was January of 1979, Mm -hmm. and we didn't like it. Yeah, pretty much. It's one of those. Why not? Wasn't a particularly great first date movie or date movie at all, for that matter. It's too interesting. Well, from the from the it was a bunch of couples arguing with one another. (laughs) From the synopsis, (laughs) it appears to be a film about short snippet stories that probably were like fifteen to twenty minutes long each, and and they just kept changing what the story was. And the adults were arguing all the time, and Patrick and I don't tend to argue and shout at each other. We we have what we refer to as frank Christian discourse, but we don't shout and yell. And and so it was an interesting first date for us because we both, we thought that was really awkward and I thought he'd never ask me out again. But lo and behold, he did. He did at least he didn't take you to Star Wars. Yeah, that was somebody else. That was somebody else. Coming Home was nominated for eight awards, including... Best Picture and Best Director, losing both to The Deer Hunter. And also, they had Best Supporting Actor and Supporting Actress nomination for Bruce Dern and Penelope Milford. Uh, it won for Best Screenplay, written for the screen, which is their one of their two screenwriting categories this year. The other one is Material from Another Medium, which went to Midnight Express. So... Well, and you said that this was a... Uh... A story based on some factual material? Yes. So, the making of this film, as it were, uh, this was a film idea conceived by Jane Fonda as the first feature for her production company, which was the Indochina Peace Campaign Films, IPC Films. Okay. So, those who know their Jane Fonda history will not be surprised by her Mm -hmm. choice of name there. Well, and by her her bent. Yes. And her history. She was inspired by her friendship with a man named Ron Kovic. Okay. A paraplegic Vietnam War veteran who she met at O'Reilly. At the time, he had recently completed his autobiographical book. Though this film is not based upon that book, Mm -hmm. a later film in the late 80s would be made about this book called Born on the Fourth of July. Huh. Oh, that's familiar. Starring Tom Cruise. Huh. Yeah. So that's the guy that inspired, inspired this, this film story. to be made. Yeah. Because this is really a fiction story, but inspired by an actual person. Yeah. Okay, cool. I uh, One of the writers on this film is Waldo Salt, which I mm-hmm. believe someone noticed in the credits and went, huh, that's a name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is actually kind of an interesting confluence of people because John Schlesinger... Ended up not being the director, but was originally on the project, who I worked on Midnight Cowboy. Okay. With John Voight, written by Waldo Salt. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. People that like working together. Yeah, this, and that Mm -hmm. is often a good way to get things going. Uh, But this was definitely kind of Jane Fonda's... A pet project. This was her pet project. And based on what I've read of her... Uh, pro, you know, like pro, anti-war protest work. 
I can't speak to much of it because I wasn't around. However, I think that this film was fairly muted based on her, based on what I've seen. Like, she protested more than this film did. I think that's correct. I think that's well, a correct that's assessment. For sure, yeah. The, so the focus of this mm-hmm. film on post-war veteran care, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something that I think has not yet been solved in this country. Well, it's ongoing. Yeah. Is... Well, this, this film was obviously, to me anyway, an attempt to begin that very subject. Yeah. Uh, or at least in the early stages of getting close to it, to turn the country politically in a different direction. And it is no longer, uh, what's, what's the, what's the, how does the phrase go? My country, uh, right or wrong, but my country. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. And this is something that... It's no longer the yeah. case. Mm-hmm. I can kind of agree with that. Whether or not a war is a good idea, once you're done with it, the people who fought in it should not be, like, tossed aside. Mm-hmm. And... W- you know, if that's what's happening, if that's not what's happening, it's still something that we, the people who did not go, you know, three of three of the four people sitting in this room have not gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that did not serve. Did in not the military. serve. Mm-hmm. It's up to us to. That's our part. Is the guys who served are done now, and they get to take a break. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, regardless of whether a war, the war was a good idea or not, and I wasn't around for it, that's something we can do, and that's a reasonable thing. Well, I appreciate your comment, Dan, but I'll tell you what. War is, and I truly believe war is simply an extension of power. Mm. When there is no other negotiation, then it becomes to fisticuffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, unsurprisingly, Jane Fonda's in this movie, because it was her idea. It's her project. It was, she can her, do it it was her idea. Oh, it's her whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Voight was originally considered for the role that Bruce Dern eventually had. Oh, However, once he got involved in the film, he asked to play the part of the injured veteran. Oh. Uh, He, of course, was a uh, friend of Jane Fonda's and had participated in some of her efforts. So So, there you go. It would not surprise us to learn that he wanted that role. Uh, Bruce Dern, long stereotyped in sadistic roles. Mm -hmm. We've seen him once before. Yes, we have. It was kind of a similar guy well i think he did i think he has he plays those roles where he's because that was in uh great gatsby Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in both of these in both of the films we've seen him in he's played guys that at the start of the film look like the main actor Mm -hmm. and then shortly thereafter it turns out they're side characters and it seems by the end of the film they're upset that they're not the main character (laughs) (laughs) yeah he does that pretty well. Yeah, he's got a good body of work yeah. too. I and I didn't, I did not ever put two and two together that Laura Dern is his daughter. I mean, they have the same last name. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> I Dern it. Yeah, yeah, Dern it. One, yeah. one John Voight, I would come to prominence in Hollywood for his role in Midnight Cowboy, which mm-hmm. we dodged watching and probably would have. We might have given that one a pass, as it is the only X-rated film to ever win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So that would have been interesting. Uh, he was in Deliverance, another film we didn't watch. 
Although I did watch it. You did watch it Down for in fun. the sewing room one day. You did finally right. watch it. I did. He was in the or re- listen to it. He was in the remake of The Champ in 1979. Uh, yeah. And then came a few decades, like a decade and a half of kind of not a whole lot for yeah. him. Yeah. And then he was in Heat with De Niro and Pacino. He was in Mission Impossible, which is where I think I first recognize him. Oh, no. It's National Treasure for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, enemy of the state. Uh, he was in the Rainmaker. Got him a Golden Globe nom for that one. Sportscaster Howard Cassell in Ali, nominated mm. for the Academy Award for that one. Mm. FDR in Pearl Harbor. Pope John Paul II in the miniseries about him in 2005. He's not like I feel like he's very recognizable. That whenever he shows up, you're like, oh, it's John Voight. Mm-hmm. But never necessarily. Oh, it's that guy who was in that movie. Yeah, right. Because I think he, I think he's a good enough actor that when he's playing a character, you really believe it's the character. Yeah, you don't think, oh, it's John Voight playing a character. Yeah, yeah. I did have trouble recognizing his face because he's so young in this movie, <laughs> and by young, I mean he's forty. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> young. Yeah, right. but he also started the film lying on his front mm-hmm. because he's on a gurney. In, on, a, on a gurney because he's injured. And so lighting-wise, it was hard to tell. And then once he sat up and you'd be like, ah, I see where his cheekbones are. It is John Voight. <laughs> right. He's the father of Angelina Jolie. See, I knew that. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that, that. yeah, I knew that, but why didn't I put it's together worse and worse. that Laura Dern and Bruce Dern's daughter? Yeah. See, oh, uh, oh well. Yeah. Also in this film is uh, Robert Carradine. There's a lot of the Carradines. What can of, we of tell us? The Carradine that, dynasty. What can, yeah. we, what can we know about the Carradines? Well, you mean we Nicholas it, Cage? We found it interesting that uh, I found it interesting. He is the brother to Keith Carradine, who we saw in a previous film during this series. If you recall, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we must yes, be grandchildren of the John Carradine. Yes, they, they are two sons of John Carradine. Are they sons or grandsons? Sons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John Carradine is the fellow who I remember. I think it was in the Bounty, Mutiny on the Bounty. Hmm? No, it wasn't. Couldn't have been. But some other thing. Anyway, the British. Well, hmm? the British sailors. Some of them were going to go back to England after their shipwreck, whoever. He was going to stay in the South Seas island, and he's lounging on the beach with a uh, nut brown maiden on each arm and a, and a piece of raw, ripe fruit in his hand, eating it. And he's saying, I'm not going back. I got everything I need right here. Well, huh. So the first Carradine as listed here is Beverly Carradine, who was a minister born in 1848, who was John Carradine's father. John Carradine married four times. Mm-hmm. Some of his kids were married multiple times. So they have half siblings. Yeah, but then we get down to Sunia Sorrell, who later married artist Michael Bowen and had an, had a, a son who was an actor. Uh, Christopher Carradine, architect who became vice president of Walt Disney Imagineering. Keith Carradine, Robert Carradine. John Carradine appeared with his son David in The Good Guys and The Bad Guys. Mm. And co-starred with him in Boxcar Bertha. Mm, another... Yeah, another box office. There's been there've been a lot of the Carradines. Now the reason why Robert Carradine shows up specifically in this film is they wanted someone for uh, the role of Bill to be a singer person, 
Somebody could actually sing. Somebody who could actually sing. So that could in actually the play film, the guitar. They could sing and play poorly. Mm-hmm. Because it takes skill to sing and, and play, play poorly. They had cast uh, someone by the name of Guthrie Thomas originally. Where Ray came from. Doesn't have a whole lot listed here about him. Uh, but he had been previously cast in Bound for Glory, which was also uh, by the same director as this film, and was starring David Carradine. Well. And after they met up, uh, Thomas spoke to the director and said, I'm a singer-songwriter, as you know, and not an actor. In all fairness to you and this amazing cast, you need an extremely talented actor for this role and not a poor singer. I recommend either Bob or Keith Carradine. Huh. And so Robert Carradine got the role. Well, and he was young enough to look like he had been drafted right out of high school, Mm. went over to Vietnam, got messed up, Uh, and got sent home. He was 24 at time of filming, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So with makeup, they may, you know he definitely looked young. Yeah, uh, Robert Carradine. Uh, for those of you who want to know about his silly things, uh, he f- first showed up in uh, episodes of Bonanza and Kung Fu. Hmm. Uh, Kung Fu would be his brother David's TV series. Mm-hmm. Right. His first film role was The Cowboys with John Wayne. He also portrayed fraternity president Louis yeah. Skolnick in The Revenge of the Nerds. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. I haven't watched Revenge of the Nerds. And I remember for a seeing really him in Cowboys, time. and he was young in there. Yeah. So you know, fun facts all around. But there's a lot of people. Like there's a lot of faces in this movie. Not mm-hmm. a lot of famous faces. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the credits was a significant list of people who played themselves. And though the Wikipedia mm-hmm. page does not mention it. It does appear that they f- did some amount of filming in a veteran's hospital. And there were like 50 or 60 people on that list. And, wh- and that is both the right thing to do to put the ca- put them on the cast list. And also, that's some, um, you know, quality... He mm. was Lewis. He was Lewis. That... What? <laughs> Not, you're now you're okay. distracting me I'm... from my good points. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll, <laughs> no, be, I'll it's shut it's up. It's fine. My good points were basically over. What's up? <laughs> I was stuck on Robert Carradine. Yeah, Yeah. I noticed. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have to apologize to everyone on the internet now. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. It's going to take you a while. What's up with Robert? Who's Lewis? I'm just done. Who's Lewis? (laughs) Doesn't he snort? He snorts when he laughs in that film. Which film? They find girls' panties and he laughs and snorts. Are you still talking about Revenge of the Nerds? Yes, I am. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop now. It, it's one of those, Tim you know. Busfield's in there. I forgot that. Okay, I have right. to stop. So, that's a different That's a different <laughs> podcast that we haven't started. Uh, before we get into... <laughs> do all podcasts on the Carradine family if you we, want to. We could. No. We're not going to do that. But we're not Because then we'd have to do Nicolas Cage. No. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is going to be in a movie about Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that's no surprise. No, really. But it's not going to be on this podcast. No, I doubt it. <laughs> that movie's not going to win any awards. Yeah, right. Okay, so before we get into our specific things, do we want to talk about the movie in general? Like, how do we feel about it? No, I don't think we want to talk about it. Like, should, should, should people go watch it? If they can well, find it at their library, well, should they watch should it? Should they watch it? I, I, would, I would like to say just this. That it took me a long time. Before I was just about ready to get up and leave, and then it all of a sudden, as it has happened before with these mm-hmm. things, bingo! Yeah. yeah, the FBI shows up, and at once, yeah, 
suddenly there become, was substance. It has become something other than portraying a bunch of baloney. Yeah, yeah. You know, not mm -hmm. baloney for everyday. It happens everyday life everywhere, but but we don't. I, you don't need to sit and watch it or mm -hmm. pay good money to see it. Yeah, it's you know. So. Well, and I think Dan, I think your point earlier that. Um, this movie was about taking care of our veterans. And I think very, I think it was, I mean, from my perspective of being a, a middle schooler when I had my cousins coming home from Vietnam and I didn't understand what had happened to them, no. didn't know, and was really confused. I think that, uh, I think, and, and I saw how the Vietnam veterans were, spit at and you know and they were drafted a lot of those guys had to go they didn't have a choice and then to come home and be belittled for well, for abuse. for mm -hmm. doing something that they were forced to do i think it's it's and now we're it's 50 years it's mm -hmm. you know 50 years since mm -hmm. um the vietnam war and i think we're still paying we're still paying for it anyway so I mean, if if you're somebody that doesn't know a lot about it, read up a little bit. You know, uh, don't just take your present day sensibilities, uh, but but really try to wrap your head around mm -hmm. what it was like to be in the seventies. I think they did an okay job of of getting the message across. I agree. It was it was really slow moving at the beginning, and and it was it was almost uh, too slow character development. But you know, eventually it got somewhere the end and yeah. and i think that there there weren't particularly it wasn't particularly one-sided which i thought it could be and it wasn't particularly um extreme i mean it wasn't just trying to send one real strong political message i didn't think. i mean it, the only message that was that was significant was don't forget these people you know who went and fought in this war don't 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 put them down take care of them so what? i thought they did okay with that. Something sort of related to what mom said uh, about the, you know, when you're a kid and the veterans are coming home. This one, this isn't a film you show the kids about what to do with veterans, but this is the kind of thing that I think it would take more rigorous Googling than I have time for while you guys are talking and I'm furiously <laughs> typing on my phone. But I wonder if Mr. Rogers or Sesame Street did anything about it. About Vietnam? Oh, yeah. Oh, Mr. Rogers Mr. certainly Rogers did. did. Yeah. yeah. He very definitely did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sesame Street, maybe not so much, but be, but because Fred Rogers yeah. was dealing with feelings and what happens when you're angry or when you're sad, I, I'm sure yeah. he did. Also, he was a Navy sniper, but... <laughs> he was not, <laughs> he was not a, not Navy, a Navy sniper. sniper. <laughs> well, one more comment, please. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, no, let's not kid ourselves. This movie was not, well, it was about the wounded vets. Yeah. Yeah. But trust me, the message about the politics of it came through loud and clear. It's yeah. definitely in there. Right. Yeah. And I watched it. Yeah. I've watched this, and what we've got today is a 50 50 split. If it hadn't been for these things, we might still have a country. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's something I thought of while watching this movie was if we had wanted to only watch inoffensive high action movies we would be watching movies with high box office numbers yeah. not movies that won academy awards because they yeah. cater to different people and this one having a political message makes it more mm -hmm. 
enticing to the Academy Awards. Had we gone the other path, we would have been watching Superman. Today. Yeah, we would have been watching Superman, obviously. <laughs> right, right. So, right. yeah. Now, now we must... I thought this was random. This is random. It is random. <laughs> this is random. The problem is that between this film and The Deer Hunter, there were... That's like eight of the 16 awards right there. So we had a 50-50 chance of watching a Vietnam movie this week. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And we had zero chance of watching oh, Superman. Yeah. Because Superman didn't win a regular Oscar. No. It, it got a special award because it was the only film doing anything with visual effects this year. <laughs> so... We now have to discuss our specific things. One, best actress. Okay. How do we think Jane Fonda was as an actress, not as a political statement? <laughs> I do not think that this is the... It would, you'd have to look at the other performances to know mm -hmm. for sure, but I think it was a good performance coupled with a political movie. And that is what would get you the Academy Award more easily. It, it, was, it was okay. I, yeah. think it, mm -hmm. I think she did yeah. a very yeah. fine job. Yeah. You know, I think there was uh, a you know, somewhat of a breadth of emotion, and she was believable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't recognize any of the other movies for that were nominated mm -hmm. with Best Actress. Autumn Sonata, Same Time Next Year, An Unmarried Woman, and Interiors. I don't know any of these movies. Me either. So and I was alive then. This doesn't seem to have been quite a great film for ladies in movies. Well, and Jane Fonda also was in California Suite. Yeah. The same year. Clearly, this was a so. better... She did a better job of this movie than she did in California Suite. Apparently. Uh, our first extra is Best Score. And for that, we have to turn to... We've never had a film with the score being pop music. Mm -hmm. We haven't. We not have yet. not. This is the first time. This was all pop music that Patrick and I probably could have sung all these songs. I was only... I kicking along to the sweet bassline and sympathy for the devil by the mm. Rolling Stones yeah. because that is my number one guitar hero song. <laughs> I I usually get relegated to bass because I'm not as good at it as my friend is. <laughs> However, we get to that song and it's harder to play bass than it is to play lead on that one because Keith Richards just went off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was during a fairly serious part of the movie and I'm just sitting there jamming out. And it was not fair. So, artists re represented in It was a film. who's who's list of the time. It was. The Beatles, Big Brother and the Holding Company featuring Janis Joplin. Right. Tim Buckley, Buffalo Springfield, The Chambers Brothers, Bob Dylan, Aretha Franklin, Richie Havens, Jimi Hendrix, Jefferson Airplane, The Rolling Stones, Simon and Garfunkel, and Steppenwolf's Born to be Wild. I told mm -hmm. you it's yeah. a who's who. One, two, three, four, five, six Rolling Stones songs. Mm -hmm. All recognizable music. Mm -hmm. All of it. Some of them right. I you might know. not have recognized because I'm not... Because you're not yeah, old. I'm not but... old. But definitely at the time, anyone yeah. who was old enough to see this movie mm -hmm. probably knew these If songs. you were listening to pop music at all, yeah. you would have yeah, been hearing this. That's, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. That's right. fair. Yeah. We were listening to pop music. Well, I was yeah. most sort of listening to pop music yeah. at that time. So, I was 50-50. Unfortunately, that basically disqualifies this film from a best score. Right. No, it now, can't have best score. if it was pop songs but re-recorded for the film, then that would... Well, but, that, nah. that's happened before. Right, but this, that wouldn't be good. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily win you anything unless the singers were just blowing it away. So, unfortunately, can't win on that one. Nope. 
it was a good soundtrack. Like, if this yeah. was playing on a CD, I'd probably you know, be okay. You know, as music goes, I found it really interesting that it was, in most cases, not overwhelming. In fact, in many cases, it was playing really dimly in the background. It was the, the original artist, mm-hmm. but it was, like, extremely low volume, and there was dialogue and other things going on, and this music was just in the background. And then would slowly crescendo and get to a point where then it went on to something else. But a lot of the music, I thought, was uh, almost this subliminal thing going on. It was an extra message. Yeah, yeah. like it was part. Of, like it was just part of their dialogue. Part of the that, way that the world part was. of it was interesting. All right, uh, best actor. How do we think about John Voight? I think he did a very fine job. I think he did a fine he job a in a political movie. movie. I think he did a very fine job, and yeah. he was really awesome with his wheelchair. And he he progressed too as a character. Yeah. I I was kind of not a hundred percent on it, and then the final scene of the movie. I think that if P, if I uh, judges for the Academy Awards were on the fence, I think that would have pushed him over. The final two scenes I thought were were really well done. Yeah, and it showed the development of his character. Oh, definitely. You know, well said. Yep. And best director. How do we think overall the direction of the film we don't really talk about the directors too much it didn't feel like it was a winner of an award well it didn't so good so. job it didn't uh the director is hal ashby i uh, he's i uh, hal ashby he, films he, he was previously a film editor uh notably the russians are coming the russians are coming which got him an oscar nomination for film editing and in the heat of the night huh <sighs> For which he won an Oscar mm-hmm. for film editing. Uh, his third Oscar nomination was Best Director for this film. Other films directed by Ashby include The Landlord, Harold and Maude, The Last Detail, Shampoo, Bound for Glory, and Being There. Uh, his mm. last film hey, we watched was Shampoo. in 1988. No, that was a television pilot in 1988 was the last thing he directed. Uh, his last film was Eight Million Ways to Die, starring Jeff Bridges. It's kind of a lot. This is very 80s. <laughs> I'm showing them a picture of something that yeah, is from much. the 80s. It's yeah. very airbrushed with you want You want to look that letters. up, people. Uh, so, this guy's not necessarily like a powerhouse of Hollywood. He's not a, a name that other directors necessarily call up as inspiration in their work. But... He also seems like a very nice, competent director. And it's always good for me to see someone as a director who worked kind of in the trenches and did the hard work of filmmaking, which is film editing. So then as a director, they know how to direct shots to make it easier for the guys down the line. Hmm. I wonder uh, if he micromanaged his editors. See, that's that's the downside of it is sometimes <laughs> then you get in there like, hmm, actually, I used to do this for a job. I have an Academy Award, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting that we we saw it during this series of film watching um, and podcast, we watched In the Heat of the Night, mm-hmm. which he, for which he edited. Yeah. We also saw Shampoo. No, we didn't. Did we not? Well, no, we you didn't. And you, I watched oh, it. we watched. You watched it for fun. That's right. We watched it because we had seen it in the in the listing for one of the years. Yeah, we did not do it. For so he did not win. I think that it, he could have. I think right. this. I don't think there was a lot. There weren't a lot of bananas in the bread box of this. 
This right. is well, very well. Was, he was up against Deer Hunter. Yeah, he's. <laughs> so I mean, uh... Uh, he was also up against. Quick switch back to that tab. Who were the what were the best directors? Uh, Warren Beatty and Buck Henry in Heaven Can Wait. Woody Allen, Interiors. That's why we've never heard of that movie. And Alan Parker, Midnight Express. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, there's. This was not the best year of film ever we've seen. Right, right. I think it's good that we saw this movie so that we understand, get a kind of a snapshot of where the politics were at the time. And then I looked forward to uh, next year, and it looks like we're going to be moving away from politics, which is good. We might roll uh, more Star Wars. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we need more Star Wars. Hey, that Empire Strikes Back is the good one. I thought that was the not good one. No, that's like the best one. Oh. Generally. If you I have to have remember. a best Star Wars, it should be Empire Strikes Back. Mm. That's that's the one with the plot twist. The one plot twist. There's one plot twist. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. I think that's it. That's it. All right. Say your thing. We want to thank the Academy for doing their job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Okay, bye. Good night.